Evening everyone, welcome to another Wednesday Midweek Teaching. Today we are going to be in John chapter 21. We are in the final chapter of the Gospel of John. But before we go in, we're just going to pray. So Father, we just praise you and we thank you for your word. We pray that as we go through it tonight, that you would speak to us through it. That you would glorify your name uh, through your word tonight. That you would uh, help us to have ears to hear what you have to say, that you'd give me your words to say, that you'd hold me back from saying things that you might not want me to say, and that you would uh, help us all to hear what you have to say, whether it's the main message or whether it's something that you want to speak to us about individually through your Holy Spirit. We ask uh, for uh, these things tonight as we go through your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1 of John chapter 21 says, Later, so... After the events of John chapter 20, which if you don't know what happened in John chapter 20, I suggest you watch last week's um, uh, last week's teaching with Pastor Juan. But it says, later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the other side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to the shore. So the disciples are sent to Galilee to wait for Jesus. They knew that they were waiting for Jesus here in Galilee because Jesus had told them this. So they're there, and they're kind of waiting about, and they're like, all right, well... Jesus said he's going to meet us here at some point. So, um, Simon Peter is just like, you know what? I'm going to go fishing. And the other guy's like, yeah, cool. Sounds good. We'll join you. There's nothing that we see in this that's wrong with what Simon Peter is doing. It's not like Simon Peter has said, ah, forget all this. I'm going to become a fisherman again. He's just said, I'm going fishing. And that's perfectly fine. The motive behind that isn't obviously directly there, so we don't sit and say, oh, Simon Peter's wrong for this. But he's just sitting there waiting for the Lord, and so he decides to go fishing in the meantime. So there's nothing wrong in that. And so he decides to spend his time fishing. And they decide to go out fishing all night. And as they fish throughout the night, at the end of the night, it starts to obviously become light, because that's generally what happens. And nothing. No fish whatsoever. And this is generally a good time to go fishing. The disciples know this, and a bunch of them were fishermen beforehand, so they're pretty, they're pretty decent fishermen. That was their livelihood. They knew the right time to go fishing, and they were like, you know what, let's go fishing. Let's see if we can get some fish. And as they fish, they catch nothing. And they fish all night, and they catch nothing. And so you can imagine, dawn is coming, and they're probably feeling a little bit dejected, uh, a little bit defeated, and to be honest, probably a little bit humbled. They're like, 
you know, we, we haven't really been fishing. We've been disciples of Jesus and we've been following him. We've, you know, we've come back to do a little bit of fishing now and we're not catching anything. And it's a bit rough. Then this guy calls out from the shore, who, who they don't know, this guy, or they don't think they know, he calls out from the shore, hey, you guys caught anything? And they're like, oh, this guy. no, we haven't. They're probably feeling a little bit like, oh, great. Now, like, we obviously feel like, great, we didn't catch anything. Uh, and we fished all night. And then this random guy from the shore is like, do you catch anything? And we obviously, you know, it's a bit like, all right, thanks, thanks for pointing that out, buddy. No, we didn't. And then this guy then says, he offers some advice. He's like, you know what? Throw out on the other side. And they're probably a bit like, are you kidding me, buddy? Do you know nothing about fishing? What is the point? Like, our, our boat isn't the size of the entire lake, okay? It's not going to make that much of a difference throwing it to the other side. There's probably all these different thoughts swimming around their head of, look buddy, we know what we're doing. But then there's also the thought of, that could be swimming around, hey, you know what? Let's just do it. And then, you know, there are a bunch of disciples there that could have been the thought of, you remember, you remember that time when we couldn't when we couldn't catch anything, and Jesus said to us throughout on the other side, and we caught a whole ton of fish, and you know the boat started sinking. There were so many fish. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, that was a day. That was one. And they're like, there are all probably all of these different thoughts swimming around in their head, and so as Jesus calls out to them, who they don't know it's Jesus at this point, throughout on the other side, they're probably like, let's just throw it out on the other side. We haven't caught anything. Let's, let's haul it in, I know it's a lot of work, and let's just throw it out on the other side. So, you just think, would, would you do that? If you are an expert in something, and someone seemingly random calls out to just go ahead and do that, you'd probably feel like that's a bit illogical. No, what's the point? No, that, don't waste my time. But they humble themselves. They're already in position of being humbled anyway in this. So they humble themselves even further to say, you know what? Let's take advice from this guy who we're not sure who it is. And let's just throw it out on the other side. So they could have been remembering the time that uh, we referenced earlier in Luke chapter 5, where Jesus said, hey, throw it out on the other side. They did. And they caught so many fish that it was actually a little bit of a problem for them. And they find in the same endeavor that they were going all night at to be far more successful, that they catch a whole load of fish. And what's the difference in that? It's not, it's not the fact of the side of the boat. The difference is in one situation, they were going at the same work themselves. And in the other situation, they were going at the same work, but now with the guidance of the Lord. And that's what it's like for us. When we are going about a work, we can go be going about the exact same work, but if we're going at it ourselves, we will often find ourselves struggling. And then the moment the Lord says, hey, let me help you with this. 
the moment we take on board the guidance of the Lord and we can go about that same work with the Lord, we find that we're actually being a lot more successful in those things. We find that that work, no matter how seemingly successful in the eyes of the world it may be, that is the best endeavor to be going at because we know that we're going at it with the creator of the universe. And as we wait on Jesus, we can be going about our everyday tasks. As we, you know, in the time between doing uh, the different things, whether we serve at church or whether we are uh, going at like different things for work, uh, unto the Lord, as it says in Colossians 3, 23. And as we're going about all of these different things as unto the Lord, in those interim little times of like, this is seemingly a meaningless endeavor, you know, whatever it might be, we can be going about those things with the Lord in mind. It's easy for us to feel at times frustrated when we're going about these different tasks, and they are seemingly good tasks. They are perfectly fine tasks for us to be doing. They're not wrong tasks for us to be doing. But we can often find ourselves feeling frustrated. We can often find ourselves at times feeling humbled in those same acts. But the Lord wants us to turn to him in those things. Whether we eat or drink, as Paul says, to do these things as unto the Lord. And Jesus cares about our everyday lives. Jesus cared about these disciples going fishing. He was like, these guys have been out fishing. I want to give them a good catch. And so he gives them a good catch. It's not like, you know, they were catching these fish so that they could go out and give it to people so that Jesus could, you know, feed the 5,000 again or, or more on a different occasion, you know. This is simply them going out fishing and Jesus is blessing them in that simple act, in that simple everyday act. And he helps them, not simply because he's like, these guys going fishing, I want these guys to think that they're amazing at fishing. He doesn't help them because of any other reason other than the fact of, I want to bless these guys, I love these guys, and uh, I want them to be able to catch some fish. He can teach them in that. There are so many different blessings that come in this situation. There are so many different things that we can learn as we go through this passage. But Jesus helps us in our everyday things because he loves us. He helps us in these everyday situations just as he helps us in those tasks that we think like, yes, the Lord's called me to do this. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do this. Just as the Lord's going to help us in those situations, he's going to help us in those everyday tasks as well. I think about the amount of times that I call on the Lord in everyday, seemingly meaningless tasks in the light of eternity that the Lord still helps with. The times that I simply am driving somewhere and I need to park up somewhere and I just say, Lord, please can you help me find a good parking space? And the Lord helps me find a parking space. The Lord helps me find a parking space. It might be the last one in the whole car park at times. The Lord helps us with those everyday tasks. Those things that at times can seem a bit like, well, why would the Lord help? It's not like, you know, it's for ministry or anything else like that. The Lord will help because he loves. The Lord will help because he loves us. He loves blessing us. He loves giving good gifts as a good Heavenly Father. 
I think about this one time when my brakes had, uh, like, they'd locked up and it was a problem that I had only just begun to have on my car. And my brakes were locked up and I was like, great, I cannot move. Church had just finished, it was night time, and I was like, I, I don't know what to do. Because, you know, I could try and move my car and <laughs> I, I would literally be dragging the back of my car along. And so it was not a good situation. And I prayed about it, and I prayed about it with Dave and Claire and the girls as well, because they were there at the time. And we prayed about it, and immediately afterwards, I turned on the car, and the brakes weren't locked up anymore. The Lord allowed for me to get back home perfectly fine. And that was just a moment of the Lord helping in an everyday situation. It wasn't like I was heading to church and I was like, Lord, I'm trying to do a good endeavor. You know, I need to be able to get to church. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to help you do that because he will. But, you know, I, I didn't need the brakes to be unlocked, per se. I could have taken a ride with someone else. I could have, there were other alternatives available. But the Lord was like, yeah, I, I want to help you out in this situation, in this everyday task, in this everyday task that isn't necessarily an act of ministering. These are the things that we don't necessarily expect the Lord to work in, but he does because he cares for us. He does because he loves us. And likewise, when we find ourselves feeling beaten down, when we're trying to simply be obedient and follow after the Lord, we need only to call upon the Lord, who can renew our joy, he can help us in our situation, and he can help us with our situation. Because sometimes the Lord will deal with us in the midst of a situation, other times he will deal with the situation that we're in the midst of, and a lot of the time he'll do both at the same time. But we need to be calling out to him and to listen for his still, small voice. Which reminds me of First Kings chapter nineteen verses nine to fourteen. Um, Elijah is feeling a little bit beaten down, and it says in verse nine, "But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah?' Elijah replied, "I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too." Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, Go back, and the Lord continued speaking to him. But you would expect in those things, like, Oh, if... God Almighty is going to speak, it's going to be in the earthquake, and it's going to be in fire, and it's going to be in these big, loud things. 
but it's just in the whisper. Because Elijah was just simply needing to listen to the Lord. The Lord didn't need to shout. Elijah simply just needed to listen for the Lord's still, small voice. We often hope and we expect God to speak to us, to be very obvious about it. But the reality is that God shouldn't need to shout to get our attention. We should be needing to actually quieten ourselves down to hear what the Lord has to say. The Lord is willing to speak to us, but we need to be willing to quieten down and to listen to what the Lord has to say. The Lord, often we sit there and we say, Lord, why haven't you spoken? And sometimes the Lord's already spoken through his word. Other times it's because we're simply not trying to see what the Lord has to say. And we're just expecting God to speak very loudly, sometimes in very obvious ways that we just say, well, Lord, that's how you're going to have to speak to me. But instead saying, Lord, I need to be willing to say however you want to speak to me. Just help me to have ears to hear what you have to say. That I would humble myself to be in your presence, to go before you, to hear what you have to say. So we need to know him more so that we can actually recognize his voice, so that we can recognize his voice when he speaks. You see the situation that has gone on with the disciples, that John is the one who recognizes, hang on a minute, I, this is Jesus, this is Jesus, guys, that John is the one who recognizes this is Jesus and the joy unspeakable that is in Simon Peter's heart when he knows it's Jesus. He just leaps out, he puts on his cloak again because, you know, he's been fishing, he's been working hard, he's been sweating and everything else like that. So he puts his cloak on again, he jumps in the water, he's not waiting to pull in all the fish, he's not waiting for the boat to make its way back to shore, he's just like, I'm going. And he heads over towards Jesus because he is just filled with such joy that this is Jesus. And as we listen and as we obey, we will find that the Lord is directing our steps. And as the Lord directs our steps, as we're obedient to his already revealed will, then we'll find that he continues revealing those different things to us as we're spending time with him, as we're in his presence, and as we are listening to his voice, as we are ready to then recognize him when he speaks, because we know his voice already. And so we can find joy in being obedient and following after the Lord, regardless of a seeming victory or not, because we're actually just simply abiding in the Lord's presence. We're being obedient to him and we can find joy in those things instead of the results of those things. And you see that Simon Peter isn't overjoyed about the fact of, we got a lot of fish, guys, yeah! He's like, this is Jesus! That, that's his excitement there. And that's a wonderful thing to see. Because Peter didn't have joy in the results, in the success of those things. He had joy in knowing he is with Jesus again. This is Jesus at work. And that is where our joy can stem from. Not from the fact of the results of different things. Of we can be doing something and it doesn't work out the way that we hoped for. Or we can be doing something 
and you know someone bites back against us and we're like i i was trying to help i was trying to love you but okay or uh we can be just finishing off paying a bill and then all of a sudden another one hits and we're like oh no all of these different things can be coming in the results of which can try and steal our joy at times or the results of which can be wonderful but our joy can be irrespective of the results of those things our joy can be in the fact that we are abiding with jesus and that's where simon peter's joy is coming from the fact that he is with jesus the fact that jesus is just there on the shore and so he goes straight to him so he couldn't contain his joy to the point that he just jumps into the water and he heads straight over to jesus and this is the joy that we can have knowing every day that we can abide with him and as we do this we'll recognize his voice more as we're obedient to him and we can recognize when he's speaking because his holy spirit will help us to remember his word and his holy spirit will lead us in his ways because it is god's spirit in us and that is a crazy thought to just think about the fact that this is god's holy spirit in us the fact that our father delights in not just us doing good works but it, he delights in having a relationship with us because he loves us so then let us take time to spend with god reading his word meditating on it that means just thinking about it chewing it throughout the day it means praying about it that if we've read it that we don't just go okay cool i've read the word for today and move on but saying I want to try and remember what God's word has said. Remember that I may be obedient to it, be obedient to it, and to also pray about those different things. The Lord says in James, hey, ask me for wisdom and I will give it. Though we don't just say, hmm, that's good, that's nice. But we say, Lord, I want to take you up on that offer. Lord. And so we pray and we ask the Lord for wisdom. That we pray about the things that we read him saying to us. And we can be in prayer. We could be spending time with him. We can be praising him as well as praying and asking for things. We can be praying about scripture, like I mentioned, like with James, for instance, or any other passage that we are reading throughout the day as the Lord speaks to us, that we can be praying about those things as well. And then encouraging each other in fellowship, like we were in church on Sunday, being able to encourage each other in those things. And not just on Sunday, but throughout the week, being able to fellowship with one another, meeting up with each other, actually acting as brothers and sisters in Christ, because that's what we are. Being united in the spirit, being united as brothers and sisters in Christ. So I wanna encourage you guys with that. And um, I will even leave you with Isaiah 40 verse 31, which says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy towards us. We thank you that we can have joy in you. We thank you that you lead us and you guide us. And we pray that you'd help us to have ears to hear what you have to say. We pray that you'd help us to remember your word we pray that you'd help us to be obedient to it and that you'd help us to have joy in you as we uh, seek to live our lives out for you. Not letting that joy be dependent on the results 
of those things, but our joy would be in our actually abiding with you. And we thank you for that, Lord, and we pray that you continue to remind us of your truths and help us to walk in them. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.